1: I'm your host, Dina Marie Hale, and with me today is Auxiliary Bishop Peter Smith. And today we're going to talk about this New Year Ordinary Time and making those, quote, New Year's resolutions. So, welcome, Bishop Smith. It's great to have you here in studio.
2: Greetings to you, Dina Marie, and all those who are listening on the radio and live streaming or on uh, the internet. Uh, welcome to the Voice of the Shepherd. New Year's resolutions. Yes. <laughs> so how many of us have made resolutions and are still holding fast to them?
1: The hands are coming down, <laughs> Bishop.
2: <laughs> it's a very interesting question. You talk about New Year's resolutions. Why New Year? Mm-hmm. And why resolutions? And I think it goes to a deeper issue for us. As human beings, we really like the idea of the do-over right, or the fresh start. and we recognize that we fall short and we want to get a fresh start and do it over and try and do it better or do it differently to be, so that it's more successful so why new year it's a particular date that we choose it's another year okay we're going to we're going to do it better this year but new year's resolutions or resolutions like that don't have to be only made at new year we can make those resolutions anytime we want and to do things over or to make a fresh start, there's some things we have to keep in mind. One is, this is very, very scriptural and biblical, because we see it in the scriptures with uh, the apostles, and particularly St. Peter, where he denies Christ and then Christ gives him the do-over, and yeah. more than once, and so so you, we experience this in our life. We make mistakes, and then where do we go from there? And what happens in our resolutions that we make, we often tend to, oh, well, I've blown that one, so I'm just not going to do anything further, which is the opposite of what should happen. So we, what we see in the Scriptures when Peter denies Jesus, Jesus basically tells him to deal with it, pick himself up, and keep moving. And that's true of us too, and that's what the Lord tells us in living lives of faith. You know, when we sin or fall short or make mistakes— do what we need to do to repent, make restitution, change things and keep living lives of faith. So that's the challenge we face and our resolutions our resolutions are normally ma- aimed at on a usually a temporal level mm-hmm. uh, improving our lives. But this is the reason we fall short and then we give up and that's the reason why gyms, for instance, yeah. charge a, f- a, full me- a full year's membership when you start, because they know that 90% of those people, that's free money after January. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so that's our human condition. One thing that occurs to me in all of this is that sometimes we, we want to aim high, but instead of, which is a good thing, mm-hmm. we want to aim high, but in getting there, we want to do it in one giant leap. And life doesn't work that way. So as the expression from one of the movies comes, baby steps. Mm -hmm. So you take baby steps. So you can say, for instance, if I'm going to deal with something in my spiritual life, which is if we're going to make New Year's resolutions, some of the temporal stuff does impact our spiritual lives and our quality of lives, and the Lord does want us to do that, do those things. But to take baby steps, so you can say, I'm going to work out at the gym half an hour every day. Well, well, slow down. You've done nothing up to this point. So let's start with a 10-minute walk around the neighborhood. And then after a couple of weeks, you move it to a 15 and then 20-minute and slowly ramp up. Because what that does is that gives us something that's achievable and gives us something where we have a sense of success. There's an epic talk out on... uh, the the video of social media by by an admiral who used to head the Navy SEALs, and he said the most important thing you can do in the morning when you get up is to make your bed. And people laugh when they hear that, but when you make your bed, the act of doing something and succeeding at it helps set a foundation for the rest of your day. And how much more is that true for us who are people of faith, where We need those small successes that slowly build, build, and build to the point where we can then get closer and closer to achieving that great goal that we set out. You see Jesus doing this with the disciples, first with the 12 and then the 72. He sends them out to do what he's doing, and they come back rejoicing. You know, baby steps. He's preparing them for what is to come at Pentecost, where now the baton is passed on uh, from Jesus to them to go out and continue to build the kingdom. So that's one thing to think about in all of this. And I've known this myself in my own life with Lenten resolutions. Mm -hmm. We do the same thing in Lent. What, you know, although Lent, it's it's almost always what are you giving Giving up up? for Lent? (laughs) Which is only one half of the three main things that we do in Lent, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And there's a sort of negative or defensive element to it, which is giving up, and there's positive elements. So you you can give this up for Lent or you can do something else for Lent. So it's 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 choosing those things that we can achieve and slowly build on that and then go forward with that. What are those things for our lives? Well, we don't know. Well, We can't legislate specifically. We each have to evaluate our lives, and if we have some sense of ourselves, generally we know, you know, I really ought to do a better job on that. It's like I really should pray in the morning, you know, I just get up and go on, on, on cruise control, maybe I should do the morning offering. And then how will I remind myself of the morning offering? You tape it to the mirror in the bathroom. Yeah. Things like that, that are little practical little things that remind us during the day that we take these baby steps and they slowly become habits. And after they become habitual, then we can start building.
1: right. Bishop Peter Smith is with us today on The Voice of the Shepherd as we begin the new year 2022, and it's great. We'll be able to hear from him over the next couple of weeks, and I thought it was just nice for us because there's this push, I think, in the world to have these worldly successes like you're talking about. I want to achieve these temporal things, these maybe financial things, things in my particular career or a way that I want to look. I have a particular image, and we show images on social media everywhere, these photos of where I've been been, what I've eaten, all of these things. But yet Jesus is calling us to a different type of change. And, and maybe let's look at this whole idea of the transition from Christmas to ordinary time, what the scriptures are showing us about who Jesus is, what he calls us to do, um, the manifestations that we recognize through these, um, these celebrations of baptism of the Magi. We'll hear about the the cana the the special miracle of the of the water and the wine what is this ordinary time that we're entering into how does that help affect our ability to really try to identify with christ
2: from my perspective living the gospel in ordinary time or normal life is the mm-hmm. biggest challenge because we can all put it out for uh, a short period of time we can all make those sacrifices okay We've got Lent, mm-hmm. so we go through Lent, or we, get, we get Sundays off because it's the resurrection, but <laughs> right. we're going to get through Lent, so we fast in order that we feast. You know, we can get through Advent for Christmas and so on, but then we get into ordinary time, uh, which people thinks, think, the impression we have is that, oh, this is kind of blah, there's not much going on. Just the opposite. Ordinary time celebrates the, the life and ministry of Jesus. And the real test for us as people of faith is how do we live the life of Jesus Christ? How do we live the gospel? How do we live our faith every day? You know, and we, we, we can see this. You know, we can go to church on Sunday, and we can worship the Lord and put ourselves into it, and that's wonderful. But Monday through Friday, mm-hmm. how do we live what we profess in those churches, what we say we believe? How do we live that out in our employment and our families and our homes and all the other areas of our lives? So that's the sort of test that we have and the challenge that we have in, in, in our ordinary time. And we have two periods of it one from the end of the Easter season, the baptism of the Lord. We've just begun that. And we will continue in that up until Ash Wednesday and the beginning of Advent. And then the second period, uh, begins after the conclusion of the Easter season and, and uh, Trinity Sunday, Corpus Christi. Then we go into the next period of ordinary time which goes all the way through until uh, the first Sunday of Advent. That's the bigger, biggest section of it. But the challenge for us is how do we live this in our ordinary lives? How do we live our faith and live, live as Catholics in a way that reflects our beliefs in those situations? And it's it's a more of a challenge than people think. The 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 surveys indicate that 90 percent, or probably less now, 85 percent of Americans act, believe in God, but about 30 percent actually live as though God has any impact in their lives. So you see the gap. As uh, my good friend Monsignor Betchet, the rector of Mount Angel, would say, the theory to practice gap. So we have this theory, but living it out in practice becomes much more challenging. And as we were talking about a few minutes ago, you know, simple things can make a difference. So this past year, Father Mike Schmitz did a Read the Bible in a Year podcast. And one would have thought, okay, you get these these uh, books that you can buy, Read the Bible in a Year. So what he would do is he would just read whatever sections he was reading and then comment on it. It was insanely successful. I was talking to uh, one company that is it's kind of like an Amazon.com for Catholic and Christian books and other items, not just books. But they were saying the particular Bible that Father Mike was using, it was, every, <laughs> every one that they had was gone within weeks. Mm-hmm. And they were struggling to keep up with the demand. And what we're hearing or heard was that not just Catholics but others mm-hmm. were signing up for this and go, uh, reading along in this podcast. That tells you uh, people are hungering for something. You know, we talk about resolutions and so on. There's something simple that you can do. I noticed that they're now starting this year. There's a a Dominican who's starting it in Spanish. We'll see how successful that is. But it's a wonderful way, okay, here's how I can hear the Bible in a year, because we can maybe sit down and say, how am I going to make time to read the Bible in a year? Mm-hmm. But if it's a podcast, you, you you it's saved, so you can go and click on it. I've got a, an hour here, so I can do say a segment and think about it, reflect on it, maybe two if I've missed a day. Those are the kinds of things, so that sustain us in a, in the ordinary life of faith. Mm-hmm. And in ordinary life, what really helps us to have a rhythm, because we as human beings. Uh, we, the grand gesture or the sort of, the okay, time to do this, and then nothing, and then time to do this. But what really makes the difference is, in a sense, like taking care of our cars, taking care of our computers, um, taking care of our pets, routine maintenance. Mm-hmm. So if you have a dog or a cat, you've got to feed them every day. You've got to take them outside. If it's a dog, you've got to take it for a walk routine maintenance. And the same thing's true for our faith. And because our faith isn't always quite as tangible, the temptation is to put that aside while we're taking care of these other necessities.
1: Well, and it seems like over these last couple of years, Bishop Smith, that we've gotten out of a routine, and the whole globe has just had the shift away from the spiritual because there's been a lack of access, or we've got restrictions, or we've got all of these things, and people have fallen out of a routine with God. That seems to be the most difficult time. How do we get back on a routine? How do we help those who may have just said, well, I'm just not going to go back to the gym? But this is, there's more of a consequence if we don't go back into relationship with God
2: Yes, I would say there's good and there's bad that's happened in the last two years uh, without COVID shutdowns or restrictions or limitations that are in place. I still remember the first day of that, March the 17th, 2020. And uh, I remember I was selected as we sent people home and we were going to have a very much a skeleton staff here in the building at the Archdiocese of the Pastoral Center. And I remember I think there were five of us in the office that first day but I remember driving into work down I-5 and driving home. Uh, it was like driving at about two, 2 a.m. on Sunday morning. Each way, there was no car within about uh, 30 yards of me or 50 yards. Of course, now we're pretty much back to normal or close to it. But that began something where we were having to adjust and change the way we as Catholics and people of faith lived lives of faith because for us as Catholics— being together is mm-hmm. an essential part of our life of faith. And this is why Archbishop Sample strongly uh, advocated with the authorities that we have to have the opportunity to be together. And when the, uh, the authorities had started allowing people into uh, big supermarkets and so on, we, we were saying, wait a minute, we have to have that too. This is just as important, in fact, more important mm-hmm. for our people. Our Protestant brothers and sisters were a little, little uh, uh, had a little easier time of it because their service is a service of the Word, and that's live streamed, and that's easier to do. For us as Catholics, how do you live stream communion? Right. You can't do that. You can live stream the Eucharist, the Mass being celebrated, but for us as Catholics, that element was not present, and that's been very, very hard. We had to make all kinds of accommodations and. I want to thank all the people in the parishes that worked at this. I know people were not happy with this on some occasions. Some very unfortunate things happened uh, in different parishes uh, where, let's just say, things were dealt with very uncharitably, uh, and good people trying to make do what they needed to do to keep people safe were unfairly pilloried with that. However, there were some wonderfully good things that came out of this, almost every one of our parishes now live streams. Right, yeah. You know, so in the past, the shut-ins were at a disadvantage. Well, now if you're shut in, you can access live stream masses everywhere. Mm-hmm. And before COVID came, there was just a handful that were out there. But now, and they were limited to say 30 minutes on a Sunday because of the computer timing, uh, The, the uh, sorry, the broadcast timing. Now, it's with the modern technology, every parish can live stream. You can do it off, off uh, like a smartphone if you have the right equipment. you can yeah. like One of the parishes I go to, they have, I think it's two, two uh, tablets with, uh, with extended uh, magnifiers on it, and the quality is very good. Uh, not as good as a professional equipment, obviously, but good enough mm-hmm. for the ordinary parishioners to uh, sign on and come into Mass and experience Mass. So that's been wonderful. We've we really, in a sense, extended our reach that way, and we hope to continue that. The flip side of that is that it's made it easier for people um, to, ex- to exert less effort. So you have to be proactive if you're going to get up, get dressed, get cleaned up, go to Mass, celebrate Mass, receive communion, talk to people, and then come home that requires a proactive decision. Now, people can sit at home in their jammies with their cup of coffee and watch mass online. And they hear the homilies and so on and hear the announcements in the parish. And what we've discovered in some some situations is that people really like that. They can say, I've got my Sunday obligation in. And we did an experiment in one of our parishes where we uh, had them Stop the live stream for a month. Well, numbers went way up. And then Mm. they resumed live stream and the numbers went down. Nationwide, what we're hearing is that it's somewhere around 14% lower attendance. So that's the downside of it. So there are some people who are less inclined to be proactive to come. And when they do that, what happens is they lose that sense of the family of faith, of communion, not only communion in the blessed sacrament, but communion with one another that we have as Catholics. That's as essential um, because we we are, as Catholics, we don't just say it's Jesus and me. It's like Jesus, us, and me. We're all together in this, and that's essential for our understanding of the faith. Otherwise, it becomes very individualized. And that's a reflective of what's going on in the culture. The culture is very individualistic. Our faith becomes individualistic. And if it becomes individualistic, we run the risk of, of we then become the magisterium of our own faith. And then before long, we start excusing ourselves from things that uh, the, the Scriptures and uh, sacred tradition call us to as Catholics. Right. So from that perspective— there are pros and there are cons on that. What what I have uh, been very surprised, very happily surprised at, is the creativity that we've mm-hmm. seen in different parishes, in uh, different situations of how they will adapt to serving their people, to continuing their missions in in light of these limitations. And that's what the church has always had to do, you know. We have this, this is, we would look at this, and this uh, this is, a, this is a, a real challenge or a real pain, but it's a minor inconvenience when you look at churches in places like China or other places where they have to live underground or are at serious risk of um, persecution even to the point of being killed. So we adapt, we adjust to the situation. And I have to commend the pastors and the leadership and the parish Parishes and the folks that are out there that have been very, very creative. We've learned a bunch of things from the way some of them are doing it, and it's very helpful. And that's something that we need to keep uh, keep that approach to things as we go forward. You know, just because it's worked in the past doesn't mean it'll work in the future. And this is also playing into. some of the shifts we see going on in the diocese as we move from an age of Christendom, not just in the diocese, but mm-hmm. in, in the Western world anyway, we're moving from the Christendom era into the apostolic mm-hmm. era, and the, the ways that we went about business and doing things in the Christendom era work less and less and less in the new era as it develops, and we have to find different ways to proclaim the gospel, live our lives of faith, Be Catholics in this world.
1: Absolutely. Bishop Peter Smith is with us on The Voice of the Shepherd as we begin a new year. And I think as you share about that, Bishop Smith, there's such opportunity for each and every every person in the pew, so to speak, to make a difference, that we are part of a community, number one, our family. You know, God put us into this domestic church, but then from there, our parish community, this archdiocese, our neighborhood. How do we stretch out and maybe with those New Year's resolutions, make a positive impact in other people's lives? Not just me, but how do I impact those? And maybe for the last couple of minutes, just focusing on that, that sense of community, that sense of service, that sense um, of really getting connected with others. I think now more than ever, we need to keep that spirit alive.
2: Well, as human beings, we're social beings, and we need that contact. And what's, uh, what has surprised me in a good sense is when I see situations like we did a, in May last year, we did a special priest convocation with the, uh, Father John Ricardo and the Acts 29 team. We were amazed at how many priests came and just the sense of um, joy that people could see each other and talk to each other. Yeah. That sense of isolation is you're cut off. You don't, really notice it until it happens. And I've seen this in other settings where people have that joy of, of uh, just interacting with other human beings. I know in the neighborhood I lived, there was this thing where at, I think it was at five o'clock in the afternoon, everyone would come and sit on their porches for half an hour, and people would walk by and just greet each other. You know, there's something that's very simple, mm-hmm. but it's very human. Uh, it's like the touch, it's like the voice, it's somehow that there are other people there and that they care and that we care and we have this sort of connection with one another. So there are ways that we can do that. Uh, It's unfortunate that there are some people who have been really um, scared by the media coverage of COVID to the point where they want to live reclusively, which is just not good for us as human beings. We need to be Prudent and judicious, and take precautions and so on, but that doesn't mean we stop living life. Right. You know, the, the the some people take this thing where it's it's almost we have to stop living life. No, no, we have to live our lives. Is it more inconvenient and difficult in some ways? Yes, but we need to live our life and we need to do this in our lives of faith. And there are ways we can do that. You know, wearing a mask can be a pain, but you, know, you kind of get used to it after a while, and it's, okay, this is just one more inconvenience that we do. So like for those of us who I'm on the edge of having to use reading glasses, now I'm having to carry it. Is it a bit of a pain? Yes, <laughs> but we get there. We deal with it.
1: Absolutely. Well, we're so grateful for you joining us, and we'll look forward to hearing from you during this month of January. And as we come to a close, Bishop, would you help us close, leading us in prayer and your blessing?
2: Certainly. And uh, before the blessing, I just want to encourage all those of you who are looking at New Year's resolutions or different resolutions, you can always make a new resolution to live a better life of faith. And if you do, start with baby steps and things that you can manage. Let us pray. Lord, we ask you to bless all of us who are listening to this podcast. Lord, we ask that you would Move in our lives, bless us, and draw us ever closer to you. Open our hearts and lives to the moving of your Holy Spirit. Deepen our faith, deepen our love for you, deepen our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Deepen our love for all those you place in our path, and may we serve them with a heart like yours. And may the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you now and remain with you forever.
1: Amen. Amen. And thank you for joining us on this edition of The Voice of the Shepherd. We look forward to sharing with you again next week. For Bishop Peter Smith, I'm Dina Marie Hale. And until our next encounter, may you have a blessed week and a blessed new year.
0: You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you.